Good evening, everyone, and welcome to No Sleep here on the CWR Network. How's everyone doing tonight? Good. 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 <laughs> good. I'm glad that everyone could make it. So as everyone knows, yesterday was a very historical midterm election. We had Democrats taking control of the House, the Republicans controlling the Senate. We had women, Muslims, Native Americans, and LBGT candidates all making history. So I figured that we could start out our segment and see how everyone's kind of feeling about the election. I mean, I'm pretty happy all the women candidates that got nominated or elected, um, whether or not they were Democratic or Republican, I was pretty happy with the turnout and with, I mean, just my, my minority women especially. So I was, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, and I was happy particularly with Jared Paulus in Colorado. He's the first openly gay man to win governor in the United States. So that's really um, energizing for me. Um, and I am encouraged by the what is it, the 118 women yeah. who won Congress, at least, yeah, 118 women, record number to win Congress. So that's awesome. I just thought it, I thought it was a good night. I was actually really excited about the amount of people that just went out and exercised their right to uh, vote. I think that's uh, pretty cool. Um, in certain communities, voting is kind of either uncool or not something, you know, people uh, do as often. So I think it's pretty cool the kind of turnout that we got. Yeah, I agree with you, Norvell, because I was looking, trying to find the numbers, but I don't think they're confirmed yet. But I know that we beat the last 2014 election, 2014 and 2010 election, midterm elections. And it was almost closer to the 2016 election numbers. So that was really cool. Yeah, it was like it was almost kind of like a presidential election. Like the enthusiasm that was expressed by a lot of the people in the U.S. So yeah, I also agree. Yeah, I think you, this Callie? is probably well. I think it's one of the most talked about midterms that I can ever remember. Um, I think that social media and things like that, like we've talked about, kind of play a part in that. So I guess. Do you guys kind of feel the same way? You know, you had everybody talking about it and sharing news articles and encouraging people to vote and things like that. So I was thinking that may have really helped with how many people actually came out. Yeah, for sure. I def- I mean, it was almost like political shame if you didn't vote. I know that's a kind of tough word, but you saw it so much. I feel like people might have felt bad if they didn't vote. If they're eligible to vote, too. Obviously, there are people that are not eligible to vote, so therefore they can't. But, yeah, I agree. Do you guys think that our age has anything to do with it? I can say for me it does, because when I was first eligible to vote from an age standpoint, I don't really think I was I was really focused on voting at all. And as I've gotten older, you know, I'm doing more mature things, so I think my age has definitely impacted it a little bit. Oh yeah, I, I didn't think about it. And in that in that realm, but yeah, I do think we are probably getting older, but I don't know, I feel like the people around me are like keeping me accountable too. 
um, just the support group that I have and friends. Um, but yes, I can, I can see age being a factor as well. I think for me that it is too. And I think that's a really good point because for me, I know as I get older, I think about, you know, laws and things that are happening and whatnot. And I think you care about it more when you're grown because you pay taxes and you, you know, like these, everything that we're voting for in all these systems directly do affect us. Even though they do when we're younger, we don't necessarily care as much or it's not as big of a worry as it is when you get older. Yeah, I would attest to that because I didn't vote in my first eligible election, nor in the midterms did I because I didn't really think about how it affected me. I mean, I watched it, but I didn't vote. So I definitely think as you get older, you become more aware. But hopefully that's changing with the this election that more young people are starting to realize that it does affect them. Yeah, and I mean, I, the person who comes to mind to, for me is uh, David Hogg in Florida. He's one of the students who survived after the, the Parkland shooting, and he's really become um, an advocate for uh, for gun, more like gun control and also um, just young people um, in general. He's definitely, like, energized young people, particularly in Florida, um, and he's he's become an outspoken advocate. So I think he um, is also a factor in in helping young people, you know, kind of go to the polls more, um, and it's kind of become more more normalized for young people. Yeah, definitely. I was reading a article earlier regarding millennials and elections, and it was actually I think it was the Washington Post, um, but they had basically stated that millennials are majority Democratic voters. Do you guys agree with that from your experience? Oh. <laughs> I would, well, I would say mine's mixed, um, my bubbles that I live in, um, I know I have more conservative. I definitely know I have more conservative friends, but I I live further away from them now. But I feel like it's a decent mix in between. But I definitely talk more about politics with my more liberal friends. I don't know. I I mean, the knee-jerk reaction is to say that I think more millennials are liberals, but that's just because I'm around liberals all the time. But um, I mean, I have I have a, quite a few conservative friends as well, um, and I mean, I saw them on on social media, particularly and out just out, um, and they were also talking about voting. So. Um, I can't definitively say whether or not I think millennials, particularly in my circle, are more liberal conservative. I've never heard of that. I thought Norvell was going to say something. I'm sorry. Yeah, Norvell, what do no, you think? I was disagreeing with Malcolm. You know, I was just agreeing with Malcolm. I think it's pretty, pretty tough to say, you know, at this point. 
Um, I think us as millennials still have a long ways to go. And I may just be speaking for my demographic, but I still know a lot of millennials that are, you know, pretty much oblivious to politics. So they can kind of care less about, you know, what's going on from a politics standpoint. So I'm kind of in between. It's, it's really tough to say. Yeah, I when I was reading it, it I didn't I didn't know if I agreed or disagreed with it honestly because I feel like uh there are a lot more Democrats. But I notice especially on social media and Facebook and things like that. I know my group of friends is pretty diverse as far as, you know, what political party they align themselves with. But I feel sometimes on social media that it's that Democrats that are more outspoken on my social media. Maybe it's just my group of friends that I have, but I feel like the ones who are silent and don't post a lot are generally the ones who are Republicans. So I don't know if I feel necessarily that all millennials are Democrats, because I definitely don't believe that, but I think that maybe there may be some more than others. And I think age has a lot to play as well, because I feel like a lot of the younger millennials tend to be more uh, Democrats and the older millennials sometimes um, either shift to having conservative views or being a Republican. Do you guys think race has anything to do with it? Um, Yeah, I definitely do because you can tell, I mean, there's not actually this election they talked a lot about the Latinx community vote and how uh, Bush had really gotten their vote back in 2004 and then how it dropped off with Trump. Um, I do, I can't remember if I read more Latinx community votes this time around, but I mean, access to polls and things like that, it's definitely, yeah. Uh, Enfranchising different communities of color. Yeah, I'm, I haven't. I, I mean, I haven't looked at the particular polling on uh, the the race races um, that have voted in this particular election. Um, I don't know if it's out yet. Yeah, I haven't found anything. I haven't either. Do you guys think that there would maybe be a shift? Because I was thinking about, you know, like how we have Turning Point USA and Candace Owens is kind of the face of that. And then you have this Blexit movement and things like that. And then, you know, you see on the news that support among the African-American community is rising. So I don't know. Like, do you think that there's a shift being made or politics will kind of stay as they are as far as, like, political parties go and what communities typically support them. I think there's power in numbers for sure. Uh, From my perspective, I think, you know, it it has changed a lot over the years. As I said, just from my perspective, I think a lot of my peers – or my particular friend group or, or, you know, peer base has been, you know, moving more into politics and at least doing more research. You know, I still think there's a piece of it where people just vote based on, you know, kind of what their friends are doing or kind of what they see as cool in the media. But I do feel there's, you know, a portion of 
millennials that are actually doing research and actually, you know, voting for the people that actually align with their beliefs and will support them. So I think it's kind of like half and half. It, it, it's going to take a, a, a while to change or shift, but I think there is, you know, uh, the beginning workings of it, I would say. What do you guys think, Megan and Clay? Did you say Malcolm was on here? Yeah, it's hear him if he is. <laughs> yeah, I can't either. Yeah, I don't think he's with us tonight. To do like have anything to add? The, what the the different races vote, either Democrat or Republican. Um, for this particular election, um, like I said, I really I'm really not sure. Um, I feel like the Democratic Party it, their platform is more open to um, respecting communities from all different races. And so I feel like just based on their values and their platforms that um, they are more of in, more inclusive. Um, and I feel like in the past more people of color have gravitated more toward Democratic candidates. But I don't know because I really haven't seen any data for this particular midterm election if that's the case. Yeah, I'd agree with Clay. I mean, I think representation is important, and that was honestly a bummer for me that we, for the candidates that didn't win, that were people of color in key states where it is a majority, you know, Republican, and they were so close. I think that shows that there's progress, but it still shows that people have a problem with certain people being in certain positions and hopefully one day we can move past that. I mean, with Florida and Texas and Georgia, um, it, it was great to see people of color running, but I think there's still some hesitance from certain people that just aren't comfortable seeing people in color in power. And it's really sad. I was really impressed with Stacey Abrams. And I, I really am surprised that she did not come out on top. And I don't know, I don't know what amount of voter suppression happened in Georgia because what's his name, Kemp, Brian Kemp. or Brian Kemp? Yeah, he was. He's like acting Secretary of State of Georgia right now. Um, and I just, I was so surprised that they, that he was even allowed to run for the governorship and still, you know, kind of serve as Secretary of State because that particular position is over voting. Um, so I'm really interested to see um, if there was any level of voter suppression in Georgia um, in play there. And I think the NAACP is actually um, investigating the voter suppression in Florida and in Georgia. So it'll be interesting to see if they are able to find anything. What? So were you saying so I have a turning people away from the polls? Well, is that what, what what it was? I don't know what the particular tactics were. I think it was ba- um, it was focused on people of color, keeping people of color from voting. Ah, okay, okay. right. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was one week that a bus was stopped that were that was filled with elderly women who were women of color, and 
they were specifically going to the polls to to vote early. So I know it, that was the only thing I can remember right now. But I know that the, there were other occasions of attempts to keep people of color from voting. Oh, and they, wow. they may have oh, they may have discussed the ballots. They may not have counted the ballots or even included them to begin with. So I mean, I, just that it's being investigated. Um, it says a lot to me. Because she hasn't conceded yet. Yeah. So she hasn't kind of relinquished her fight, which I feel like says something, too. Yeah. I have a I'll be interested you to guys. see what comes out. Yeah, go ahead. Um, what races did you all follow that were particular to – I don't know, location. I know, I mean, even though I live in Arkansas, I followed the races that were going on in Iowa. So did you guys follow any particular races? Uh, for me, I mean, I followed the the Arkansas, obviously, because I live here. But I also, um, I really was interested in the uh, the Senate race in Michigan. Uh, with Debbie Stabenow. She's been in office for 43 years, and she had an opposer, John James, who's a Republican, and he's also a, uh, he's a minority. And so it was a really interesting race to watch because at the beginning, he was very, very, very behind on polls. I think he was like 30 points behind, uh, and he actually, um, he didn't lose by much. So it was really interesting to watch and see how, you know, the state of Michigan took that. But they generally lean, uh, they lean lean Democratic, so. Nice. Did anybody else watch any? I was following the uh, governor race in Florida um, with uh, Andrew Gillum, who actually lost. I was actually very surprised by that. Um, He debated very well. I think he stands for a lot of positive things, and I was actually well, I wasn't too surprised because it's Florida at the end of the day, but um, <laughs> I was surprised yeah. that he lost because he's very well spoken. Yeah. You know, I think he stands for a lot of good things, and just baffled me how he, you know, uh, lost so fast was ridiculous. Kind of says like the truth of what's really in Florida. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You know how how well the representative is is you know uh, voicing his opinion and 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 wanting to do the right thing, I think it's it's all about the voters and, and the people. And I think the people in Florida or the majority is a lot different than what, what he stands for, which is probably why he lost. I think that's really interesting, Norvell. Yeah, I was really shocked that he lost too since he ran such a good campaign. But then that the same Florida voters approved, I think, Amendment 4 to restore rights to felons to vote. So it kind of, to me, was, I mean, like, you're moving one way with something, but not another way with someone. And it was, I don't know, that was kind of shocking to me. Yeah, it's kind of like a form of tokenism. You know, it's kind of like, we'll give you one thing, but, you know, when it comes to majority, much is going to change. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead, and we need to go ahead and take a break. So if we have any callers out there that want to call in and join the discussion, give us a call at 917-889-8078. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for important causes and issues like financial literacy. That is why so many people listen to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show. Lionel is a seasoned veteran in the finance industry, but more importantly, Lionel cares about people. He shares his vast knowledge of the finance world in a personal way that goes beyond dollars and cents with advice that makes sense. So let Lionel help you get your finances in order or avoid costly errors in judgment that may be devastating to you and your family. Listen to the Lionel Shipman Check Your Finances show every Tuesday exclusively on the CWR Talk Network at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central. Hi, Mom. Is Claire's birthday party today? Me again, Mom. Where did I put my history book? Hi. Sorry, forgot one last thing. Sometimes it's hard to concentrate. At school, I start looking out the window, and then I forget what I was supposed to be thinking about. I know it seems like I don't care, but I do. It's just difficult for me. Love you, Mom. Bye. Join parents and experts at understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues to help your child thrive. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. being bullied online, you can be a witness and make a difference by letting the world know it isn't cool and by letting your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for important causes and issues like fighting domestic violence. Domestic violence survivor Shereen Rice discusses how domestic violence affects all of us on her show, Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse. Shereen interviews other survivors of domestic violence who share their very personal experiences in hopes of encouraging listeners who may be undergoing domestic violence to get out of that dangerous situation and how they may do that in order to avoid the dangerous consequences if they don't. Join Shireen and her guests every second and fourth Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Time, exclusively on the CWR Talk Network.
we decided to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14, 31, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Hey everyone, welcome back. I want to remind everyone that the lines are open if we have any callers that want to join in on the discussion, 917-889-8078. And before we went to break, I know we were talking about uh, different elections or different positions uh, during the terms that we were perhaps following. So did anyone have anything to add? Um, I, I was watching the Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz race in Texas. That was, that was an interesting race because he, like, Beto O'Rourke particularly got attention on a national scale, and I feel like he just energized people not only within Texas but all across the nation. And I'm I'm really interested, even though he lost, I'm interested to see what he does in the future and whether or not he runs for Senate again or if he's going to run for president one day, um, just because I think he has a lot of promise. He also raised the most money ever for a Senate campaign, which was over, I think, $70 million, which was crazy that then he lost. That's a lot of money. Wow. Yeah, he raised more than Cruz did. Yeah. Wow. Did Cruz, did Cruz even roll over thirty million? I don't remember. Yeah. It wasn't a lot though. Yeah. Yeah, he he visited all ninety nine counties of Texas too. Or not? not no, not ninety nine. They have more than that. Like a hundred. Uh, he, he visited every county. He, yeah, he visited every county in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, wow. financial. Has a lot to do with guess, who wins uh, an election. Hmm. Can you repeat that, Norvell? Uh, I had a question about whether you guys think financial backing uh, has a huge deal, uh, I guess, in terms of deciding whether somebody wins an election or not. I don't. Y- yes, it can. I mean, I. I don't think you can't go into an election without some financial backing. I mean, just specifically in Arkansas, you have to uh, pay like a filing fee, and then you have to also pay, I think, the Democratic Party or Republican Party of Arkansas. Um, I only know the rules for the Democratic Party. Um, I know you have to do the filing fee, and then you also have to pay the Democratic Party um, up front in order to even even run as a candidate um, and those are those are high fees. Yeah, I think the filing fee is ten ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and then the other one I think maybe fifteen thousand or something like that. So just to just to get started, you're going to have to have some type of financial backing, and I think that 
the belief is that if you are able to raise money enough to be able to run, then you'll be a viable candidate to fundraise later on, which I don't know if I agree with that because I think it's like we're trying to sell people who are good fundraisers, not necessarily that they're good candidates sometimes. Um, So, yes, money does have a factor to play in who wins, um, but as, as seen in the Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz campaign, um, the person who raises the most doesn't always win either. I think there should be limits on how much you can raise in a campaign just to kind of equalize the playing field a little bit. Cause yeah, people, I mean, the reason Beto got so much was cause he definitely got support outside of, you know, people living outside of Texas, which, you know, how really fair is that? But then it gets into, you know, controlling how people utilize their money. But I think there should be a cap on how much you can have as a campaign finance. I think that's fair if we did that. And then that way no one has a leg up on funding because I feel like, it doesn't necessarily mean, which we've seen yesterday, that it doesn't matter necessarily who raises more money, but money is definitely needed, as Clay said. I mean, you can't even run if you don't at least have some. And then you have to think about running the TV ads and the radio ads and all the money that goes into advertising because if you're not getting your name out there and people aren't aware that you're running, then you don't stand a chance. But kind of like I have said before, social media, I think, helps with that a lot because it's in a way it can be free advertising unless they're paying to do the sponsorship, but shares and things like that. And, you know, people seem to be getting very political on Facebook, so I feel like that's kind of a platform for some people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think, think that? that- no, go ahead. I mean, I think social media has definitely made it easier for people, more people to be public um, with without any cost to them. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a hard, it's a hard balance to hit. And I don't know, I don't know the answer to it with finance, financing campaigns. I think it's kind of a slippery slope, and that was kind of the thought I was trying to provoke because a lot of uh, communities, you know, are impoverished, and, you know, there may be candidates that may represent certain communities very well, but they just don't have the financial backing. And it, it sounds like, you know, if you have a few friends in high places, you know, you can kind of get where you need to be. And, and if that's the case, it's, it's almost like it's rigged. You know, they're not really uh, being voted for by the people or the majority. It's just, you know, the amount of money or the amount of friends that you have with with tons of money. And I think that's kind of like the opposite of what we're trying to achieve with our democracy. Yeah. I think that maybe we might be leaning away from that. I could be completely wrong in saying that, but I feel like social media does have a huge influence and that might be a way that some of those candidates can get 
backing and things like that, perhaps. But if you have such a high barrier to entry, it does make it harder for people to run. Uh, I was looking at an article earlier that said 61% of millennials said that they get their political news from social media. <laughs> and this, and it was, I think it was, it was reputable source too. It wasn't just some like Mickey Mouse um, <laughs> website. So do you, do you guys use social media for, to inform yourself of what's going on in politics? I'm not going to lie and say I don't read about politics on social media, but I make a, an effort to read the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the Economist, Politico, because I also know that everything you read on social media isn't true. So, and I'm not saying everything on those sites aren't are are necessarily true either, but I feel like they're more accredited than what, you know, one person can share turning into a viral post that has no merit and no checks and balances. So that's kind of disappointing, Kylie, that 60% <laughs> uh, of millennials, I hope they're reading other platforms because I feel like that's where all this misinformation comes from and what's kind of caused this divisiveness between people is that right there. <laughs> I think it has kind of a form of entertainment. Oh, go ahead, Malcolm. Oh, oh no, you you can go. <laughs> I was saying I think it's kind of a form of, of entertainment as well. A lot of the millennials, and this is just a hunch, but I feel like a lot of the millennials that are, you know, following uh, social media for, you know, political updates, they're not really going out and voting. It's just, you know, hey, this is a cool video to watch or it's a popular thing to do or, you know, something to discuss in conversation with a friend. But I don't think they're really going out and exercising their right to vote and, and using that information. <clears throat> yeah, I think a lot of it is wrong, though. What was that, Clay? Uh, yeah, I said I think a lot of it can be entertainment and uh, like what we were talking about two or three weeks ago with millennials uh, gravitating towards trends, I think I think with some things like in politics, it's only a thing in millennial world because it is trending, um, and we're looking at it on social media and on Twitter and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think for some millennials, uh, there's a semblance of entertainment to it. Um, and then in terms of getting the news. Um, that doesn't uh, surprise me. Particular, that particular uh, stat doesn't really surprise me because um, I do. I get. I go to Twitter like every single day and look at news on Twitter. But then I also have apps like the New York Times app, and I even have the Fox News app just to wow. <laughs> just to have all different views. And I look at articles, you know, on Fox News every once in a while too, just to, you know, just kind of get. The point of view from from a more conservative news source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we yeah, were I talking about thing. That's so go ahead. Fun. I should do that. That's a good idea. Um, we were talking about this with some of my friends that 
social media has caused millennials or has given millennials a voice. And that's kind of someone brought up that they think that that is kind of the same as voting because you can post your views and let everyone see and, you know, think you're informing people. And that's maybe in, in um, lieu of actually voting, uh, because they think they're, you know, being advocates online and getting information out there, but they don't realize that voting is still an important part of being an advocate and, you know, participating in getting people elected and things like that. So I thought that was... Yeah, I feel like if you don't vote, you shouldn't be able to complain. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Unless you're unless you're ineligible to vote for any reason, but everyone else right. can. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I have a question for you guys too. Um, so my circle of friends and in one of my classes, we've been talking about polls, and uh, obviously they were a big player in the last election that everyone predicted Hillary Clinton was going to win, and then that didn't happen, uh, and how they kind of. I know the New York Times kind of tried to clarify what polls actually are this time around so people weren't as confused and honestly reliable on them. So what do you guys think about polling? Did you look at any polls or utilize them at all? Or, I mean, do you ever? I was just curious. Prior to 2016, or prior to uh, the last election I did, um, but I feel like they're unreliable, and so I don't. I try not to look at them and be like, "Oh, I should feel comfortable about this, or I shouldn't worry about this because it's a landslide." Because clearly, we've been proven time after time that it's not necessarily foolproof or reliable. What do y'all think? Yeah, I don't yeah, use them at all. Yeah. I didn't get okay. either one of you guys. What What do you say, Norvell? I, I was saying I don't use the polls at all. I think it's kind of, you know, useless because it can go either way. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I looked at 538 politics um, online, and that's, that's what I used before – uh, the 2016 election, and they predicted that Hillary Clinton was going to win by a landslide. So I still go and I look at the polls every once in a while, but I'm still cautiously excited about what they predict sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I watched The Daily Show, and I love Trevor Noah, and he talked about how he thought it was so weird that Americans rely on polls and how they should only be accessible to the campaigns because then people wouldn't look at them and think, oh, it's a landslide. I mean, either way, even if it's a landslide or it's not, that that affects your vote somehow. So I just thought that was a neat perspective because he's kind of right of you should never say, oh, I have to go vote because they're losing or I I don't need to go vote because they're winning. You should just vote. (laughs) Agreed. I think it was kind of disappointing. I think there's still a lot of people, and I'm I'm speaking from kind of like the black community and, and, and millennials as well. I think there's a lot of people that aren't voting. 
And I think the root cause, at least what I've been hearing in some of my circles, is that, you know, it isn't going to change anything. But, you know, even if nothing changes, you know, in the next four years or the four years after that, I just go out and vote because, you know, not so long ago we couldn't vote, you know, or we were considered, you know, three-fifths of a, a human, you know. So just because of, of the fights that were fought, you know, to, to give us the right to vote, I think you should go out and vote. But I think a lot of people are oblivious to that, and it's kind of like a slap in the face with all the sacrifices that, you know, people have, people made before us. I think a lot of people yeah. sometimes don't vote too because they think that it's hard or it's going to take a really long time. And I was in and out in 15 minutes. You know, you just mark your ballot and you go. It's really simple and really complicated. Make sure that your address is fine and that you're voting at the right place. It's not. Well, it doesn't take too much time. Some people don't even know, and I know this isn't the same for all states, but that there's absentee ballots and early voting, like, you don't have to go on election day for most states. There's a couple, I think there's a few states you can only go that same day, but I was, I'm surprised by that when people say it's, not to say there aren't barriers, but, you know, people who just, like, oh, it's so difficult. I'm like, but you, do you know you have all these other options, too, you know? Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize or they forget that a lot of employers will allow you to go vote. I know at my work, um, you just let your manager know, and you can go vote because it's important. So I think a lot of people, they don't even know. I know there's people at my work that had no idea that we could take time off to go vote. Yeah, I think aren't employers obligated to – Oh, they are? Okay. But I think they don't have to pay you. Like, some of them can dock your pay or you have to clock out. But a lot of employers, they don't dock you. They just let you go. That's cool. Which goes into why voting day should just be a national holiday and everyone should get the day off. Were the pol- were there long lines when you guys went, or was it pretty in and out? I voted absentee this year, um, just because I'm I'm registered in Mississippi County in Northeast Arkansas. It's about three hours uh-huh. away, so I just voted absentee here in Little Rock. It's the very first time I've done that though, and it wasn't as hard as what I thought it would be. Yeah, I voted absentee as well. Decently smooth, but. Yeah, it wasn't a long wait for me as well. And I, and I did same-day registration here in California, so it wasn't bad at all. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to have a lot of people, because I know your, um, your L.A. area, right? Yeah, yeah, L.A. So I was curious if you had huge lines and traffic worse than normal. I know traffic is terrible, but... Okay. Yeah, no, I'm in the yeah, no, I'm in the suburbs, and, you know, kind of like off in, like, a, a small town, it's pretty much older, too, and predominantly Asian, so it, it wasn't a long wait at all. It wasn't bad. That's cool. Um, what were you going to yeah, say, Clay? I said, I, I, they never, I've never even thought about 
like what it's like to vote in a huge city like Los Angeles. Like I wouldn't even. That's cool that that you didn't really have to wait that long, Norville. I think I'm lucky, depending on on where I stay. I think I got lucky. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think other places were, you know, backed up for sure. But I, I think I got lucky. It was the perfect storm for sure. Cool. Awesome. We got to go ahead and take another commercial break, but uh, I just don't. I want to remind everybody, sorry, that we have the lines up in nine one seven eight eight nine eight zero seven eight. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. It's not just cliche. It's more than a slogan. It's our identity as America's voice for championing important causes and issues like reading literacy. Host and producer Joanne Burrow tackles this issue in a number of ways on her show, Read, Read, Read. The first and third Saturday of each month, 12 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Central Time. Read, Read, Read is more than a program. It is an initiative started by Ms. Burrow to attack the problem of reading literacy and reading proficiency with the ultimate goal of expanding the program to include mentors to help students with not only reading skills, but also life skills. She also invites interesting guests to come on her program to discuss their challenges with reading as well as their joy and appreciation of reading. Some of the guests are authors who discuss their books and offer their insight into the importance of reading and being good readers. Join Joanne the first and third Saturday of every month at 12 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Central Time for Read, Read, Read exclusively on your network for causes, issues, and life empowerment, the CWR Talk Network. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor Middle School? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Homewalk restaurant. Need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, good. Finding best potatoes for French fries. No! Russet. Fingerling. Yukon Gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. 
Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by Understood.org and the Ad Council. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move is called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Bet he can't say that in reverse. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by feedthepig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of Electrosynth Pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for life empowerment programs like Career Reels with Carolyn. We understand that many of our listeners need career advice to advance their careers to the next level, and others need advice on finding a job. We have been blessed with the addition of Ms. Carolyn Owens to our network. Carolyn is the chairwoman and CEO of Infinity Coaching Incorporated, which provides career, leadership, and life coaching that moves individuals forward, allowing them to take command of their lives. With over 25 years of proven experience, she is a leading authority on leadership and professional development and has worked with and trained top leaders across the globe. Her show, Career Reels with Carolyn, may be heard the second Monday of every month at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Career Reels is a show that discusses how you can become the star of your life. Carolyn and her guests will share with you tips and strategies on how you can reach and stay at the top of your game. You'll also hear about hot topics and trends that can make a difference in your career or business. So tune in the second Monday of each month to hear Career Reels live and get hired or take your career to the next level. For more information, visit Carolyn's page on our website at cwrtalknetwork.com.
listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Hey everyone, welcome back. So to wrap up tonight, um, how are you? Did you guys see about Michigan legalizing recreational marijuana? Yeah, it's all on the timeline. Another one down. (laughs) 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 Well, we should really just legalize it throughout the entire U.S. and tax it, in my opinion. But that's not everybody's. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I don't know if there's any states path or what but it just feels like uh-huh. they need to just stop and just federally fix it and quit making us have to vote on it <laughs> well because it goes through stages of you got to approve medical marijuana and then it's legalizing and it's yeah it's like just everyone supreme court decide well i don't know if we want them to decide this now but yeah, stop making us vote on it. I agree. Does anybody else have anything that they wanted to bring up pertaining to election? Have y'all been or politics looking in into, general? Have y'all been looking into Jeff Sessions and what happened today? Yes. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> No, um, I actually, I wasn't. You said you have? No, no, I was telling him to enlighten us. Oh, Oh, I know that I hadn't watched or heard anything really about it um, until after I got out of work. My friend called me actually from Paris and was like, I heard your president is mad and he fired some guy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he got booted today. Yeah, and there's like <clears throat> there's a new acting attorney general who's going to be overseeing the Russia probe. So, um kind of interested to see how that unfolds. Yeah, cuz we have seemed to have forgotten that that even exists. Yeah. I feel like Yeah, I saw the interview. Did you guys see the interview today um, when Donald Trump was talking about uh, the results of the election and someone had brought up the Russia probe and he was kind of going back and forth with them on it? I I didn't watch the interview, but I read that he was kind of combative during the press conference. I mean, I don't. I just don't know at this point if it's all a show or if he's actually scared yeah. now that Democrats control the House and can start investigations into his administration. Um, I don't really know what he's going to do next, but that he fired his attorney general today didn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was probably happening and that they had already planned on it and they were literally just waiting after the elections to do it. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. regressing in the same thing. Yeah, there's nothing that really surprises me at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like you. I don't necessarily know how to take him when he says stuff because it's just so yeah. very blatant, <laughs> I guess would be the word. So I never yeah. really know how to take what he's saying. So Anyway, I, I guess we'll go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say. I hope that now that the Democrats control the House, they're going to keep um, Trump and his administration accountable um, because that is a big a big wing of the government. And I hope that they truly you know, keep their promises and keep him accountable for the rest of his term. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel that every – Every president should be held accountable, and I hope that it's not super combative on both sides, and I hope that they can come to agreements, and if there is something that they're wanting to pass that is good for the American people, that we can all come together and and make things better and not make okay. it a political party argument over this person. I'm, I'm going to vote this down just because it's associated with this administration because that's not benefiting any of us. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Ditto. <laughs> you guys got anything else? No. All no. right. Well, everyone can catch up on our past shows, <laughs> blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. We're also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, Next week, we have a new segment that we're starting. It's Millennials Changing the World, and we are really excited to bring on our first guest. She's from Exhale to Inhale. So with that, we'll go ahead and call it a night, and we look forward to next week. Bye. Bye, guys. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong.